Have you ever picked up something and you said, I need help? (laughs) You discover that it's too much, it's more than what you can bear, and you need help? What I want to try to relay to you or communicate to you is that oftentimes people are looking for help, wanting help, but there are times if you're going to carry out the will of God, you have to do it alone. You have to do it alone. And we're going to see that picture with Jesus. In order to carry out what God wanted done, he had to do it alone. And a lot of times in our life, when God speaks to us, when nobody else understands, you have to do it alone. Although you want other people to gather around you, you want other people to cheer you on, you want people to help you, when it boils down, you have to do it alone. There's an old, old hymn about Jesus. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? There is a cross for everyone. There is a cross for me. Must Jesus bear the cross alone? And oftentimes we forget to carry out God's will. You're going to walk on a lonely road sometime. Your friends will desert you. Your family will desert you. Everybody will leave you as you carry out God's will. Not all the time, but on some Pacific things that God would have you do, you have to do it alone. And living out God's will in your life can be a lonely road. Now ask yourself this question. Do we use God to accomplish our will or are we used by God to accomplish His will? Which one are you living? Are you living in such a way that you're saying, come on God, help me, help me that I can do what I want to do? Or are you saying, Lord, Lord, strengthen me that I might carry out your will? One of the things that we have to learn to do as Christians and individuals Because in life, 
we determine to do things by our own strength and our own power. If we have the strength to do it, we do it. If we have the money to do it, we do it. If we have enough people with us saying, let's do it, we do it. And it takes away from us committing ourselves to what God wants us to do or has called us to do. It takes away from it because now we are not so much depending upon God and his strength. We're depending upon the strength of the group and my friends and my fellow Christians rather than finding myself just committed to him. And every now and then I need to recommit myself to his work, to the task that he's called me to do. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered, and when you really are willing to carry out God's will, there's going to be some suffering from this world. You're going to have to deny something. You're going to have to put something else to the side. You're going to have to die to yourself in order to accomplish what God has assigned you to do. In today's world, life is all about who? All about us. All about me. And that's even among Christians that we have to learn to recommit ourselves to the task or to that which God is calling us to. And he says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body... Arm yourself. In other words, prepare yourself. Ready yourself to suffer. Ready yourself to perform the task that God has set before you. Arm yourself also with the same attitude. The same what? The same attitude, the same mind. Yes, I'm going to suffer, but I'm going to do it. Suffering is not going to what? Delay me. Suffering is not going to deter me. Suffering is not going to turn me around. Arm yourself also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with what? Sin. When you're willing to deny yourself, you're going to suffer because the body is going to scream out for what it wants. The flesh is going to cry out for what it desires. But when you yield to God to perform the task that God has called you to do, you put the world to the side and everything about this flesh to the side. And look what it says in verse 2. As a result, 
as a, a result of what? A result of putting sin to the side and being willing to suffer for the Lord to carry out his will. He says, as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. You catch it? When you're willing to suffer and put this to the side, you're no longer going to really wrestle with sin. You're going to die to it that you might carry out the will of God. And you no longer wrestle with the things of the world, per se. Commit yourself to the one who is faithful. And we need to remember to do that. In 19, verse 19, turn over to it. Because he tells us, So then, those who suffer according to God's will. What? Is God's will for me to suffer? Yes. I know we hear a lot of stuff about prosperity and this and that and everything else. And there should be no suffering. A pastor who just went home to be with the Lord, who was also at one time a part of this denomination, he made a statement years and years ago that sickness cannot find a place to dwell in the body of the Christian who is carrying out God's will. And he held to that for a long time. That a Christian that is serving God and really in love with God would never experience sickness until his wife came down with cancer. And that changed everything. And he says here in that 19... So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves, now catch this, should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. You recommit yourself to who? To God. Yes, I'm suffering. I recommit myself to the Lord. Yes, I'm on this task and it's getting rough. I recommit myself to the Lord. Elaine and I have had to recommit ourselves to each other many a times. We're going to stay in this. We're going to stay in this. And the same thing in the Lord in a relationship with him. You have to recommit yourself because it's so easy to go astray. It's so easy to just step off to the side and say, I'm not going to suffer. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do it. But I'm still a Christian. Yes, you are. The difference is you're not walking in the will of God, but on the outside of the will of God. And he says, recommit yourself to the one who is faithful. Know what you are committed to. 
Know what you are committed to. When you commit yourself to something, you'll usually finish it. When you commit yourself to something, you'll usually capture that goal. When you commit yourself. But you need to know what have you committed yourself to. Go to John chapter 4. Go to verse 34. And look what Jesus is saying. He says, my food. Now we all know food is necessary for what? For life. You're not going to live too long if you stop eating. And Jesus takes this and he's going to make a comparison. My food is to do what? Do the will of my Father or the one who has sent me. That's my food. That's what I live on. That's my substance. Have you made it in such a way that is necessary or you sense or feel for you to live is necessary to carry out the will of God. That is necessary for you to live in the will of God. See, only the Christians who live in the will of God can carry out the will of God. Those who are living outside the will of God are out to please just themselves, but not the one who has created them. And he looks at his food as, as something that's necessary for the body, but then he uses... God's will as something that is also necessary for him to have life. For him to live is necessary for him to carry out God's will. And therefore said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's my food. That's what nourishes me. That's what sustains me. That's what keeps me, is doing God's will. Now, in John eight twenty nine, I want you to hang on to this because we're going to come back to it. But in eight twenty nine, you're going to hear Jesus say this. The one who sent me is with me. The one who sent me is with me. You can never lose sight of that. The one who sent me, he's with me. The one who is sending you to perform a task, can you honestly say he's with you? The one who is encouraging you to do a work, can you honestly say he's with you? And he says, the one who sent me is with me. 
He has not left me alone. Now, everybody else might leave you. Who's going to stay with you? See, that's what you have to be able to answer. Who's going to stay with you? Because most of the time, when everybody else leaves us, what do we do? I tried. I tried. Show me anywhere in Scripture where God says, try it. Once he assigns you to do something. Try it. Because whenever God assigns us to do something, he's with us. He's with us. Now hang on to that. And he says, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Catch that condition in there. I'm always doing what is what? Pleasing to him. So he's always with me because I'm always doing what is pleasing to him. Now, there are times you need to recommit yourself to a task with a different outlook. You know what your task, and sometimes with jobs, you may start on the job with this task, and then it changes. And you got to take a di- different look at it. That doesn't mean you quit. You recommit yourself to a different position with this task. Now, Jesus is going to do something here. When something's at a distance from us, we can talk about it. (laughs) We can really talk about it. One of the last things I do with folks that I've gone through marital counseling with and so forth, especially to the man, I will say to the man, before we ever step into the sanctuary, before we ever step there, Always tell him this. If you're going to run, this is the time to do it. Because once we step in here, there's no running. But if you're going to run, this is the time. Jesus is going to share with his disciples that he's going to die. But if you really look at Scripture, you, you see that dying is a little ways off yet. So turn with me to Matthew sixteen twenty one. Just walk through about three of these verses with me. Matthew sixteen twenty one, Because he wants his disciples to understand that this is going to truly take place. And they need to understand it. So he says in 16, 21... From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law. 
and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Over to Matthew 20. 17 and 19. He says, Now as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Matthew 26, 2. He's telling his disciples something that is going to take place, but yet it's a little ways off. As you know, the Passover is two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. The Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Now, take a good look. He's marching them along with him to his death. But yet, Jesus is telling them what's going to happen. Jesus knows what's going to happen. Now, talking about it and doing it can be two different events. You understand that? A lot of people can talk a good game, but when it comes to playing or participating in it, you wonder where are they? And we can talk like we know everything. And then we look into their life and we say, boy, I thought they knew everything and they're living as though they know nothing. Brother Calhoun used to say, talk is cheap. (laughs) And the thing is, is the action. In Matthew 26, 39, Jesus then is going to begin to face this thing of death. He's going to face this thing of death. Death. So in verse 39 and 26, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. And remember, he's been telling his disciples all along that he was what? Going to die. And he says, Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, if it is possible, 
may this cup be taken from me. Wait, wait a minute now. You've been preparing and telling your disciples, your running buddies, what you were going to do. And now you're saying, if this thing can be removed, let's remove it. There's no other way, though. There's no other plan. God has one plan. One person to carry out this plan. Jesus. And it's something you have to face all by yourself. Now, there can be people around your bedside when you die. But you got to do the dying all by yourself. You don't believe me. You, uh, uh, when you, you get close to dying, just grab two or three people's hands around you and say, Come on. That's something you have to do all by yourself. And Jesus is now facing it and knowing all that was going to happen to him. Now is right here. It's not over here. It's right here. It's right in the face. And he says, if it is possible, Father, may this cup be taken from me. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. But he's struggling. Why? Human body. Human body. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. What is he doing in that last part of that verse? And we're going to read it again. Recommitting himself to the task. Recommitting himself to the task. Because see, when you have something before you and you're working at something, sometimes you have to recommit yourself because it does get hard. It does get difficult. And you've got to recommit yourself to it. Any of you have been at college, in order to reach your goal, you find you have to recommit yourself to that class. I got to spend some extra hours studying. I got to stay up a little bit later. I got to stay in the book a little bit more. I got to write a better paper. It's recommitting yourself in order to perform and to do what is required of you. And Jesus says, not my will, 
Let yours be done. Then when you jump into verse 42, he says, he went along a second time and prayed. Well, didn't we settle this the first time? Went a little further and prayed. My father, if it is not possible, catch the phrasing, different than the first. If it is not possible to make changes, if it's not possible that this thing could be secured some other way, that we could work out the salvation for humanity in some other way, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Up there, May this cup be taken from me in verse 42 now. To be taken away, the cup to be taken away unless I drink it. Unless I perform. Unless I do. Unless I accept your will. And yes, I'm going to suffer because Jesus knew all that was going to happen to him. But now, to recommit. And sometimes we know what's going on and we know what is happening. And the only thing you can ask is this. God, did you tell me to do this? God, is this the assignment that you've given to me? And you may have to recommit yourself in order to stay with it. Now, there's a separation that takes place. If you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter pulled a sword and he cut off one of the high priest servants' guards' ear. They're ready to fight. But look what takes place here in verse 56. But this has all taken place that the writing of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him. All. All deserted him. All left him. Now, how do you feel when people are close to you and you've been working with them for years and all of a sudden they desert you because pressure is on. And there's Jesus. No turning back. Recommitted himself. Going forth with God's will, God's plan. And everybody else takes off. And Ephesians is right. Man cannot boast because man has not done one thing to secure his own salvation. Man has not helped in any way to carry the load 
that Jesus had to carry in order to secure our salvation, to purchase our salvation. No one can boast that I helped Jesus save me. Can't be done. Because he did it all by himself. Be aware of that. Now, in 57, he stands before Caiaphas alone. In verse 57. He stands before Caiaphas. Well, where's your friends? Where were the ones who wanted to fight with you in the garden? Where's the ones who said, no, no, you would not give up your life? Where are those friends at now? And here you stand before Caiaphas all alone. Now, who's with him? Remember what we read earlier? The one who sent me would be what? With me. So all the human element is gone, in a sense, that would be there to support him. The only ones that are there are those who would condemn him. Now, if you read the following verse, Peter there, but the scripture makes it very clear about him. He's not standing next to Jesus. He's not speaking up for Jesus. He's at a what? A distance. So Jesus is having to go through this all alone. Then he goes to Pilate. He's all alone. Where's the friends? Where's the disciples? Where's the people that you fed, the 4,000, the 5,000? Where's the blind man that you heal? Where's the crippled person that you heal? Why isn't there somebody there to support or encourage? But he goes through it all alone that he stands before Pilate. All alone. Along with the soldiers who mock him. The beating that he endures at the command of Pilate. Where's a friend? Where's somebody who would step in and say, I'll take two of the lashes. I'll take three of the lashes. I'll lay myself down to take one or two of the stripes that he would take. But he bears his what? All alone. When the soldiers are spitting upon him and hitting him, he's all alone. Besides the Father being there with him. He's all alone. He's led off to be crucified. 
all alone. He's carrying the cross all alone. That's where that song comes from. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go what? Free. And there's a stranger, Simeon, that is pulled from the crowd to help him bear the cross. But what I want you to take note of is this. It's a stranger. Not a friend. Not a disciple. First time we see Simeon. Don't know if Jesus knew him. Jesus did anything for him. We don't know. Scripture is silent. But here he is, this stranger that comes now and helps. But remember when it started, Jesus was bearing the cross alone. Two robbers crucified alongside of him. Why not Peter? Why not John? Why not Matthew? Why not Philip? Why not one of the disciples with him? Close friends had done what? Separated. And he has to bear it all alone. All alone. And there's times you and I have to bear things if we're going to carry out the will of God. We have to bear it all alone. But remember, he's there with you. In Matthew 27 and verse 46, he says, About the ninth hour, Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Ella, Ella, Lama Shabbatchanai, which means, My God, now catch this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What just took place? What just took place? The one who sent me is what? Always what? With me. But what just took place that Jesus is saying, why have you forsaken me? What took place at that moment? At that moment, your sin, my sin, present, past, future, went upon Jesus. Went upon Jesus and God could not look at it and the scripture says that the world became dark
And the wages of sin is death. And Jesus tastes death for each and every one of us that we might have life. He took my death. That's why his death is called the substitutional death. Because he tasted death for me where I should have been the one dying. He died in my place. He died in your place. And he died all alone. All alone. Now, this is the rejoicing part. In 28, 5 and 6. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Now understand this. He went into the grave, what? Alone. Nobody else was in that grave. Nobody else has ever used that grave. He went into that grave alone. And he came forth out of that grave alone to purchase the salvation that we so richly enjoy. None of us helped him. None of us came alongside to support him. None of us really encouraged him. He carried out the will of his father alone. And there's times in your life that you're going to have those moments that nobody else will stand with you. Nobody else will help you. And you're going to have to make the decision to do it alone in order to carry out the will of God. We all want to be popular. We want to be popular. We want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want people to like us. We want all those things. But when it comes to serving God, there's going to be times in your life in order to fulfill God's will and perform the task that he has assigned to you, you're going to have to do it all alone by yourself. And don't worry. The amazing part, even though you go through the suffering, even though you may sense and feel God has abandoned you, you will have your day of resurrection when life comes back into this body and you rejoice in the Lord because you know it's only the Lord that has risen you and has kept you and has encouraged you and has been with you.
no one else but him. There is much to learn of the suffering of our Savior that we can apply to ourselves if we're going to live out the will of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, that you give us the courage and the strength to walk after our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful that your word says that if we suffer with him, we will one day rejoice with him. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. But I pray, Father, that on this resurrection day, that you would quicken it to all of our hearts, just like you raised up our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in newness of life, that, Lord, you're raising us up daily in newness of life to live for our Lord and Savior Jesus. Would you minister to us? Would you quicken your truth to us? Would you allow us to know that you're always with us even when we have to do it alone? We thank you for the friends and, and we thank you, Lord, for the relatives that come and who are supportive, who are willing to help hold up our arms and help lift, help perform, help do. But, Lord, if none come, help us to recommit ourselves to live this Christian life for your glory and for your praise. Minister to us, Lord. We thank you for the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the resurrection of our own lives because your word says we once were dead in our trespasses and sins and we've been quickened and made alive unto our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Minister to us. Let us be thankful for the life that is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us even this day to recommit our lives throughout this year to serve him. No matter what takes place, COVID-19 is not the thing we fear. Because COVID-19 is not our food. Our food is to do the will of our Father. Let us not be fearful, I pray. But may it be a recommitted life that is out to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, amen.
Lord, I go. 